We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast. My name is Terry Smith. With me today, I have Lissa. Hi. <laughs> and no Shar. She was, uh, I think, attacked by some ninja assassins. I think she's winning the fight, but she's preoccupied for now. Uh, so so no Shar today, which is probably a good thing, right? Like, we don't want too much well, We Char. don't need her. No, you know? no. We're the ones that know how to read, so it's like, what do exactly. we really want her on here for? um <laughs> i believe the real reason is an internet outage and as a as a good uh co-worker i had to fact check and make sure that she wasn't lying and it seems like that there really is an outage um it started as a gag because she was talking about how like she was going to contact the the internet company i was like well i you know i'm a dad so i do nothing but make phone calls all day anyways i gotta call my kid's school i might as well call spectrum for you so i had reached out to spectrum <laughs> to create a new ticket so i don't know if that'll speed things along or just slow down everything but she was in fact telling the truth also fuck you spectrum i mean she is non-confrontational so yeah having phone calls and having to make phone calls is like the bane of her existence i i listen i agree and that's why i was trying to do it to be nice but the internet apparently was the last straw when i had told her that i was contacting them she's like i already did i was pissed <laughs> so apparently the internet being knocked out is enough to make char make phone calls wow yep um so normally we would do a pre-show post-show but we have a jam-packed episode on this one so we're just gonna get right into it games and supplements corner let's talk about some new shit coming out uh first up we have the dragon prince ttrpg which we've been talking about on our discord been super excited about it um based on the cg anime from netflix from creators of the avatar series and a bunch of other super talented people i love the dragon prince ip lissa what about you i watched a bit of it i found one very minute thing that i found kind of annoying and or stupid at one point i think in the first season or was it the second season and then i just kind of stopped <laughs> watching out of spite i guess because i was like that was stupid and then i stopped watching <laughs> what was the little thing if you don't mind me asking it was very small i don't even remember what it was uh um, it was just a pet peeve thing you're like i don't need this in my life there's so much other yeah, content i was just like this is unrealistic and, <laughs> I and, then I <laughs> and then i switched to a different show i didn't think about it <laughs> I love the idea. You're like you're watching the show. It's got it's got elves and magic and a world of dragons. You're like that's unrealistic. I'm out. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> elves wouldn't have a Scottish theory. accent. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, no. yeah. I, <laughs> I don't mean to paint it like that. Like I'm sure it wasn't that something that silly. But sometimes when people, because I same way, I'm like oh, I just don't buy that portion of the world. And that, so I say, like, that's unrealistic, but my wife points that out all the time. She's like, oh, it's unrealistic? Man who reads Spider-Man for a living? Like, <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, but in the context of everything being the way that it was, and based on all the, you know, the lore building, like, I, 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 I think there has to be some kind of a logic for... <laughs> 
And then when it doesn't follow the logic that I think it should follow, then I'm like, no, no, this is not <laughs> realistic. My my thing is the same thing I have with like horror movies. Like if you set up rules, follow the rules. You know, like if that's the rules of the world. Now you can break those sometimes for good reasons and for fun reasons, but for the most part, don't break your internal logic. I don't know what it was, and now neither do you. But now I'm gonna rewatch Dragon Prince, which is already on the docket to rewatch it with my kids. Um, but now I'm gonna be watching for it. And I'm like, what was it? What broke Lissa that she was like, I can't do this anymore? Um, if you think of it, please just hit me up because it's gonna bother me now. I might have to restart watching it because I do not remember what it was. We should we should do a watch along. We've been thinking about what we want to do for our expanded goals, so that could be a that could oh, be yeah, a fun that could thing. Be um anyways though, TTRPG. So I've actually been on this train when you had messaged, you were like, Hey, this is finally coming out. I was like, Oh, that's old news because I've been following it super closely because I, I love Dragon Prince, as we've mentioned, but I also love the system it's in. So it's the Cortex slash Cortex Plus system, which if for the uninitiated, if people don't know, um, the Cortex system was made by the Margaret Weiss company way back when. Other people had the license now, but the, it debuted with uh, the 2000s, right around Civil War Marvel RPG. And that was the first system mm -hmm. that utilized it. And it was a really awesome system. It was great for for superhero antics. That's why I love it. And I still use it for superhero antics now. Um, the idea is it kind of works on a tag system similar to Powered by the Apocalypse. But instead of really forcing you into having to do specific moves with those tags, what it is is you're like, say you're playing Captain America, your, your skill, like it'll just be like a phrase. It'll be like uh, man out of time because he was frozen in time for a thousand years or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And that would be assigned to a dice score. So like a D six. So when you're going to roll, if you could apply that idea of man out of time, like say it's a social interaction and you want to come off witty and be like, make a dad joke. You could add that D six because that applies here, right? That, that little tag applies to this. And then there's lots of other ones for like combat. So it's like, you know, shield master. So if you're going to fight and you're using your shield for this move, you would apply the dice to that shield and you build a pool and you roll against, you know, uh, a DC, whatever the, the game master says you need to roll. Um, so it's a really fun system and it's really open, works really well for, for superhero combat. The other thing that works really well, not just for superhero combat, but for fantasy stuff is you can create things on the fly and give them a score to interact with so say in D, &D you want to break a bookshelf you got to go look up what that item would be for their dc to break it and how much health points uh you know a bookshelf would have but in cortex yeah. say i want to create a fireball um i could just roll my fireball stuff on my sheet and then whatever that whatever that adds up to, that's now the applicable stat for the fireball or the bookshelf. So if I create a bookshelf with my magic, I roll my magic score and my creation score. And whatever that adds up to, I take the bigger die and bam. Now I have a D6 bookshelf. And if I want to break it, I got to roll bigger than a D6. Like it's, it's a very okay. intuitive system for doing yeah. things on the fly. However... In the age of COVID, trying to play a game where you need a bunch of sticky notes with a with a die on top of it to keep track of everything, it's fucking impossible. <laughs> so, like, it gets very complicated. I ran a Suicide Squad one-shot in the system, and it was awesome, except for my desk is riddled with all these sticky notes. So it's like Harley Quinn's hammer that she has is a D6 now because it's broken, and she has a wound that's a D4 because there's acid spilled on her left arm. And you have to keep track of all that stuff, and it's really fun uh, okay. to hand these things yeah. around the table. It's really not fun to try to hand them through the mic. 
<laughs> and yeah. like taking pictures of everything that's going on. So take that with a grain of salt. But I love the system. They put out a neutral, like a generic system just called Cortex Plus that you could build your own game in. Um, and that's licensable. That's how Dragon Prince was built. So forgive for, uh, me for the big, like, deep dive. But I love the system. It's cool. Very unique in comparison to things like D&D. I know in the last couple episodes we've been talking about games switching to 5e. This very much is its own thing, which is why I'm super pumped for it. Um, are you interested in playing Dragon Prince? Interested in checking out Cortex system, Lisa? I feel like I've been talking for a half an hour about dice. Yeah, I I think the system sounds really interesting, and it's not at, like anything that I've ever played before. Mm -hmm. So I'd be willing to play. I mean, I'd be willing, as per usual. I'm most of the time I'm willing to play most of the games that you throw <laughs> at me. Uh, I'm willing to play this one. Um, am I particularly pumped for it? No, I stopped <laughs> watching the show. <laughs> Unless I get it really into the show, who knows? I don't know if we start watching the show or something. Right. But yeah, the system sounds really interesting. Well, that, that's really cool to hear because I think I am going to run it. I did back this way back in the day on Kickstarter. I'm trying to find the release date right now. The thing that I'm excited about is similar to when the Avatar system was coming out, which I wasn't a fan of, but mostly because I don't like Powered by the Apocalypse systems. Um, which gets me into a lot of trouble because people really like that system. Like Thirsty Sword Lesbians is in that system, and that's an awesome game, and I love all the awards it's winning, and it's really cool to see some of that representation, but also just cool ideas and games being you know played with. But I don't like the basis of the system, so I get a lot of flack. And so this one coming out in Cortex, which is like my favorite game, I'm super pumped for, and it has tons of world building in it. So similar to like D&D, it's not just here are the rules to play this character or this class or this this race or whatever it's got yeah. you know maps it's got geography it's got set up for encounters it's got a bestiary section it's got all the cool shit that you want out of a new game um which you don't get a lot in the cortex games because so much mm. of it is built off the generic system and people are making smaller versions so it's just cool to see an ip based system with all that other stuff thrown in because that's why you play an ip right like it's I yeah. could just play generic game or I could go play Dragon Prince in a world that I like that Lissa hates because she doesn't like the show, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you as like, I know sometimes we, we talk about how when people make something that's just kind of copying another IP, it's a little bit of a like cash grab sometimes. How do you feel about this mm. being actually licensed? It is the Dragon Prince people working on the world. Um, it's an official product. Does that make you a little bit more gung-ho on it, even though you didn't like the world? It wasn't that I didn't like the world. It was something specific. It was Let something me put very, words very in your small. mouth, Lisa. Gosh. It's, it, it was something... It was either a character decision or or it was something that they, they did or it wasn't something that they said. I would have remembered right. that. But As not a gigantic fan of the IP. Minute, very minute thing that most people would have gone like, eh. I, I pinpoint on it and I'm like, this is not... This is not correct. <laughs> and then I like quit on purpose because why not i'm dramatic what can i say <laughs> no you i would have never <laughs> seen it um but yeah so this being an official license does that make you a little bit more apt to check it out i mean the what i've seen of this and it looks like it's been done really well like and it looks like it's really in-depth and goes like according to the show 
based on what I know about the show, the number of episodes that I've watched. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't make me mad. I I would like to try it at some point. I should probably watch the show first, you know, in order to enjoy and know it better. But it does seem interesting, and and I'm not mad about it. And I know, like, I have a handful of really close friends that all love the show. So I know, like, it's a good show. I just quit because I chose to. <laughs> Which is your right as a consumer. Um, my point more is to, when we talk about games, I know sometimes, uh, like, like the interesting argument that we got into about the Studio Ghibli concept game, where it was kind of like the vibes of Studio Ghibli, but not actually Studio Ghibli. Uh, when you're worried, you're like, is it going to capture it as well? Or is this just a cash grab? With this one being an officially licensed thing, does that change the tune a little bit is more my question. Not really. I mean, is it a cash grab? Maybe, but it's... So, like our Neil Gaiman discussion mm -hmm. uh, in our last episode, or because we posted in, in various... It was our last episode. episode, yeah. It was, yeah, our, our last episode. So... Because of that, like, it's it's the same product in a different format. Sort of like our discussion about how Neil Gaiman was making his, you know, comics into a new format, which was the TV show. So I'm more open-minded now. And okay. it's definitely not, like, anything like Orientalism or anything tar or trying to be something that it's not. Mm -hmm. It's actually just reformatting uh a, a product or a story that already exists in one format into another format so it could be you know more immersive and played through so i don't see that as a problem okay cool well that's yeah. good because i'm gonna make you rewatch the show we're gonna play this game because i'm super pumped <laughs> and finally someone so i pitched the cortex system to a lot of people it's not a big winner in my gaming group um partially like i have a lot of like hardcore like tabletop players who love the grid-based combat of D D and stuff so when i talk about this game which is mostly theater of the mind and very loose because it's a very thematic game um cortex is usually not a thumbs up at the table so just you being purely excited about the system it just gets me kind of excited because i can go oh well if you like this maybe we could go play marvel <laughs> like do you want to play spider-man this weekend so um definitely watch out for that invite because i love that game although because you're <laughs> overseas i don't know how well it's gonna work <laughs> i think uh, we can certainly try yeah i just need to move is what needs to happen um yeah, yeah, Terry. that's all you have to do <laughs> but i'll put the link in the description for the dragon prince role-playing game it's available now i like it because it's 25 dollars for the digital copy and 50 dollars for the hardcover and digital so if like you just really want that hardcover book you can get that and you include the digital very similar to the power rangers um game that just came out recently they gave you both a lot of systems are doing that these days which is a smart idea do that support the people who want to spend the extra money give them extra shit um you'd be surprised how many companies yeah. don't do that and they don't sell those things for very long um moving on i don't know as much about this uh, i think this was you or shark who put this on the dock but the apocalypse keys uh system was announced unlock your heart or unlock the apocalypse um, this is coming straight from their Evil Hat Productions page. As an Omen-class monster, you are the only thing capable of holding back the apocalypse. Combat occult threats and investigate supernatural phenomena alongside your team of supernatural agents working for the Shadowy Division. Um, 
I, I don't know much about this game. Did you post this or did Shard it? I think I did. It came up on my Twitter thread. Okay. Uh, okay. I think I follow Evil Hat Productions on Twitter. Or What, what the hell, Twitter? You're failing me because I think I also follow them, but I did not see this anywhere. Which they, if you don't know, they put out some awesome other stuff, but like Thirsty Sword Lesbians comes over there. Mm -hmm. Um... They they have a bunch of other cool stuff on on their site, so you should also go follow them. Can you give me the pitch on the system? I have no idea. <laughs> Let's look into it. Let's dive, dive deep. I got the page up right now. Um, obviously in the book that they're just explaining you have the different play ah playbooks right there. I should have known. It's coming from Evil Hat Productions. It was probably going to be powered by the apocalypse, which it is. Um, which man, I again. They put out some awesome settings, and I love what they do in their books. I just don't like the base system. I'm not a fan of Powered by the Apocalypse. But if you don't know, the Powered by the Apocalypse has the playbook system. So instead of classes, you have playbooks, which have your different commands that you can do either in combat or in role play. And similar to the tags that I mentioned in Cortex, you have a move. Say you're a thief and you have uh, Sleight of Hand as a tag, and it would have... Uh, a dice assigned to it and when you can do that kind of what it does so it's more of like a a board game feel where you have like a deck of cards and these are the cards that you can always play kind of thing mm. um okay. to me it's just a little bit constricting when i play an rpg i want the system to i want to be able to do whatever i want and ask the gm hey can i do this thing what do i need to roll or whatever an apocalypse is a little bit different it's a little bit more like you have your sheet you know exactly what you can do the gm will tell you if it works or not um so it's just a little bit more constricting than my type of play um but it's still exciting. I love the artwork they have on this one. Um, it's very Cthulhu meets like Dresden Files kind of Sandman yeah. with like the um, Nephilim uh, stuff going on. You see a lot of angel artwork and tentacles. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why it caught my eye on the Twitter thread was because I saw the pictures and I was like, ooh, what's that? Maybe <laughs> Terry knows. And then it turns out <laughs> Terry did not know. I did not know. Normally I do. Normally I'm pretty up on this stuff. Um, I actually, I just came out of like my little hidey hole. I've been working on a new script for a comic book um, with a new artist. I'm super excited about it. And But it was a new idea. I had pitched the artist an idea and they liked it. But they didn't want to draw it. They said, what else do you have? And I didn't have anything else at the time. So I had to come up with it off the top of my head. Really cool pitch. I'm very excited about it. But it took me much longer to work on it because it was an idea I came up with 30 seconds before. Instead of having a script ready and I hand it to somebody. So that's what I've been doing the last few weeks is just trying to back up this one random sentence pitch I had. Um, with a you know 22-page script and, and thought-out world-building and shit. Um... <laughs> So I've been a little bit out of the um, loop. That was partly with this episode with all the news coming. In. I'm like, oh, shit. Not only do I have to catch up on the current news, but I need to get back in the, you know, the zeitgeist of everything. So I've been trolling uh, Twitter and Dicebreaker for the last few days trying to get caught up. And Apocalypse Keys was not on my radar. Um, but it was on mine. <laughs> and that's, that's why you make the big bucks, Lissa, is you know what's happening in between. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to say about it because I don't <laughs> play TTPG, but I can, I can go, look, here, this, 
just don't expect me to show up at the table if you're gonna run something empowered by the apocalypse. I'll I'll write stuff for you. I can help out, but I mm. I don't I just don't enjoy the system. I was really disappointed um, that the Avatar game was empowered by the apocalypse. So many other people were pumped for it because they love that system, but I was so let yeah. down uh because i've been waiting for an avatar game and in fact i run one right now but it's in the genesis um generic system so uh which is what the fantasy flight games did for uh star wars if you've heard of the star wars fantasy flight game yeah um okay. it's that system but a generic version so it has mm. magic and rules and stuff so that's what i uh i run my avatar game in so take that evil hat productions. wow <laughs> terry's different terry's a cool dad <laughs> that's right i'm a regular mom i'm a cool mom um <laughs> anyways let's move on past apocalypse keys i apologize for not knowing everything about it from the start um next up is the sundering this one i do know a little bit more about because it's in 5e um wow. this article comes from chase carter's contributor over at Dicebreaker. this DD 5e campaign book from a team of black creators sweeps an entire continent onto new maps the sundering says it focuses on inclusion at the table as much as adventure within its pages the sundering is a new campaign book designed for dungeons and dragons fifth edition boasts a black creative team that has designed the world ripped from its original ocean and magically transplanted anywhere tabletop rpg group wants now this is one of my favorite types of supplements where it's kind of a new setting but you could plug it into your world whether that's the the base forgotten realms DD, or if you run your own bespoke setting it just has rules for fifth edition so you can kind of pop it in anywhere which is really cool because a lot of settings is like tied to the base lore of that game a lot of forgotten realms books are made for forgotten realms so if you run your own setting it's really hard to plug mm -hmm. and play um but you get something like this you can plug it right in I love that it's got a black creative team. We need to amplify more of those voices in our scene. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And I, I like that this is getting backing. I don't see it getting official backing yet from Watsky, though, um, which they need to do. They just did that with that Planescape book, which was pretty cool. Um, but it still felt like they weren't putting their full resources behind it. It still felt like a smaller edition in comparison to some of their other bigger books like Tasha's or something. Um, mm. So it, it'd be cooler to see more of that coming directly from Watsky. But uh, so looking at this, like currently crowdfunding on Kickstarter, I'll put the link down below. Um, the Sundering, the nation beneath our feet comes from pairing of a comic book author, Hannibal Tatu and actor uh, Damien Poitier, who has appeared in Marvel's Avengers films and played a recurring villain on the live action flash series. According to a press release, both wanted a more black experience in D and D that also created plenty of space for inclusion at any table where the book was used. Awesome. Love all that stuff. Much of the new material takes place within the Zwari nation situated on the Gezmau continent, which mysteriously vanished off the map when a god crashed into the nearby ocean. This fantastical event makes for a good world-building uh, hooks, but also sets up players and facilitators to drop the missing continent anywhere they choose, like I mentioned. The designers specifically wanted to grease the wheels of fitting their book within official D&D settings, homebrew games, and other high-fantasy universes. I love everything I'm hearing. I love the idea that it kind of has this Atlantis vibe going with it mm -hmm. or wakanda mm -hmm. is probably a better plug in here but like a combination of those two um yeah this is really awesome i'm looking at the artwork here um i wish i could just post that but this is a podcast that's so not gonna work but it's very magic <laughs> the gathering like that older style of like western art 
Um, yeah, but that's what social media is for. Yes, exactly. So we'll tweet that out maybe with this episode. Um, but I'm excited for that. Like, uh, I'm going to see. I'm, I want to check the price so I can plug that here for the Kickstarter. The artwork um, looks really good. I know. Like, that's like amazing. I, and I feel bad because it's like not every person can afford a good artist or even like a professional artist. Because like some art's good, but yeah. it's not professional. There's a difference when it comes to their supplements and, and books that they do. Um, but And it sucks to place it on a higher pedestal because it has better art than some that can't afford it. But it does add a lot to these books. Like I know people that buy D&D books who don't even play D&D. They buy it purely for the artwork that they flip through. Um, and this one has it if you were curious. Um, like, I, I, like, I think of like our lore rewrites that we post. Go check our Patreon. And I draw that. So it's like just by comparison. I'm like, oh, this is good art. Uh, I mean, you're talking to somebody who's a graphic designer. So I'm very picky. Like, I will judge a book by its cover. <laughs> well, this cover is really good. Um, they. They backed. They they hit their goal of twelve thousand. Um, now they're reaching their their stretch goal at twenty five thousand. Um, you can back the project. Let's see what it takes to get in. Um, pledge without a reward ten dollars. Um, you can get a comics bundle for five. If you hit twenty though, you actually get the digital copy of the book. Whoa 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 whoa. It What's says that? here that they brought special attention to the matriarchal trio who run the nation. Oh, and a host of shit. to residuate marginalized experiences and identities. There's a matriarchy! <laughs> ah! I uh. want to play this. Play this so bad. Well, perfect. So let's let's pick up the the PDFs twenty dollars. Um, trying to see if they're doing a hardcover set. Forty gets you a dice set. Fifty is what it costs to get the the hardcover book. So still similar to the the Dragon Prince book. That seems pretty average these days for an RPG book. If you want the hardcover, yeah. it's about fifty dollars. But that does include yeah. all the stuff below it with the dice set and uh, the campaign digital copy as well as the black uh, comics bundle. So mm-hmm. you get some good shit for fifty bucks. That's not bad at all um obviously it's kickstarter rewards not guaranteed take that with a grain of salt because this is not officially sold anywhere yet um but i'm excited for it i'm going to talk to my wife about backing that uh <laughs> i can't i i start, i buy too many things as uh, uh as just like a knee-jerk reaction on this podcast because i want to support D books and then i look at yeah. them like i spent 50 dollars just talking to the girls on the podcast about playing this game that we don't have time to play so um <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's, it's like me buying regular books you right. know you just they just accumulate and i they look nice the but, difference, you know, though, is like, I, I read my, my hard co- – like, I actually read my books because I don't need friends around to to read the books. But with a D&D game, I'm like, I need to wrangle six adults to come sit down at a table or get online. And schedule it. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very different thing when I think of, like, the utility of $50. And also, think about what your thrift books bill is compared to what a D&D book is, right? Like, you know, we could pick up six novels for 45 cents or whatever and uh you know fifty dollars for a campaign book mm. uh but it's still a good deal i highly recommend it i'll put that link in the description next up is coyote and crow um i hear a creepy door opening in my apartment somebody needs something yeah I, I heard that 
Okay, my son's going to get more toys, he said. <laughs> it, like, I heard the door open, and I'm like, am I about Aww. to be haunted? Is that what's going to happen? Like, no, sweet, adorable voice is going to get more Power Ranger action figures. Um, so, this, I, I have an article also from Dicebreaker, also from Chase Carter. Uh, he apparently is the star of this show. Indigenous TRPG Coyote and Crow's first expansion brings an inverse dice game to life. So, um, this is an expansion for the game. Uh, but I just wanted to talk about how uh, the core RPG is uh, based on indigenous stories and characters, which is something that like you see appropriated a lot in the RPG yeah. landscape, but not actually you know fulfilled in a meaningful way it's similar to when we talked about like the oriental adventures stuff from D. Mm -hmm. you see you see asian representation poorly often in yeah. rpg scape it's the same thing with indigenous ideas so it's cool to see a game actually coming from indigenous creators and representing them pretty well um that's all i've heard about it i haven't played it i don't know anybody that's created it but i have heard good things through the twitter grapevine um so I'm just going to recommend other people do their research and go check out um, this game. Uh, let me put the link in here, but also let me check out the official. Um, I'm going to read an older article also by Chase Carter. This came from last year. But explore a world reborn from complete ecological collapse and set in a science fantasy North American never touched by European colonialism in Coyote and Crow, an upcoming tabletop RPG from a team created and led by Native Americans. So awesome <laughs> it's mm. it's not a dude who looks like me going i think i want indigenous people in my game um <laughs> the game is set 700 years after a climate disaster uh called the awis nearly wiped humanity from the face of the planet so almost poke uh post-apocalyptic but not quite um okay. I love this idea. The system is a brainchild of Cherokee designer Connor Alexander, who had been mulling over ideas of representation through a colonial lens in the tabletop space since 2018. Uh, quote, I started thinking about games that I like, worlds I want to play in, and I began trying to figure out how to create a world that put indigenous cultures in the spotlight, but distangled it from colonialism. I like that. Just take us out of the mix. Like, it's just, it's just going, yeah. what if? And making that a fantasy landscape is going to be pretty cool. Um... Let's see if I can. So Coyote and Crow uses a D12 dice pool system. So again, kind of from scratch. It's not like a 5e supplement. Um, partially inspired by the collective decades spent playing World of Darkness games. If you don't know, that's a fun um, RPG game. I wouldn't say it's super different than uh, 5e or like D&D &D as you know it. Like if you were to pick up a World of Darkness game, you'd I think you'd pick it up pretty quick. There's a DC set. Like it's yeah. roll your dice, beat that number. Pretty simple to pick up. So Coyote and Crow not being a, a stone's throw away makes sense. And you'd probably be able to pick it up and play. Um based on my my <laughs> top level reviewing of a different game system that they're comparing it to so i yeah. think that it is playable um it looks like the rpg kickstarter was fulfilled and you are available to buy it let me see if i can figure out what it costs similar pricing 50 bucks the artwork looks amazing though i really love like the style that they have going on with the cover yes. there's like this really cool use of color like really vibrant like orange red purple yellow and then those uh like animals on there which it kind of look Go ahead. it's 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 both like tribal but like also sort of 
digital looking yeah yeah definitely it's um similar there's a setting in magic the gathering um that's kind of like their their cyberpunk world it's like their steampunk stuff when it's got digital and magic in it um i can't remember the name of the setting but it 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 clashes with the fantasy but also has like neon colors um yeah that's, that's what it seems like coyote and crow is going for I really dig it. I, lo- I like you mentioned like the colors. I like how bright it is. So many times when, and again that you think about like the the colonizer vibe that we get when you get the appropriated indigenous aspects in fantasy games. It's the just lush green and then the darker tones. Like it's all very survival based, and this is just yeah. not that. Like you have that hyper fantasy neon color, which is really dope um again like you get people represented in a game they're gonna treat it properly um so i'm excited for that i'm gonna add that to yeah. the list. so now that's a hundred dollars so far in this episode we just gotta let white people calm down with their ttrpgs and let other people just you know go ham and make this beautiful content that is <laughs> Like, calm down, white people. We don't need you to be that enthusiastic about TTRPGs. I'm speaking for myself as well, but... Well, I mean, we're going to be excited no matter what. The issue is is that we're also the gatekeepers, you know? Like, yeah, so often those people like in the positions of authority to greenlight things like this are people that look like us. And so it's it's not so much that <laughs> we're just excited about it. It's like, no, no. It's like they're just not making... And putting the right people in charge of these projects. It's, again, you get into the the Asian representation in these games where it's like, no, this yeah. is a good idea. And you go, yeah, it is. Maybe you shouldn't be in charge of it, white dude. You know? <laughs> like, that's that's part of the issue, right? Exactly. Um, but but uh, we can get into why white people suck a different time. Um, yeah. Or all the time. Speaking of Asian representation, let's talk about anime 5E. Um, which is attempting to do that anime role-playing game that we've talked about a million different times. A million different games have attempted to do this. But in 5th edition, um, this comes from Dice Kami Publishing. I don't know too much about this game. You sent me a Twitter, Twitter article a little while back that was like, hey, what do you think of this? Um, top level, I had my numbers guy check it out, and from what I saw on Twitter, people agreed that it breaks the numbers game a little bit for D&D, and that's why some people don't like it. The hardcore players are going, hey, this breaks what I like about the game, the math of it all, um, which doesn't bother me at all, but I wanted to get, you know, their idea behind it. Um, I... What do you mean it breaks the numbers game? So... A lot of what D&D does for balance is based on pure math. It's like, this is going to deal this much damage, or it would be this hard for this character to achieve this DC total to beat this check. So they balance that against what their dice pool is normally. So, for instance, rangers... people don't like sometimes because they can't deal as much damage because a lot of the elements of their character are thematically based rather than purely dealing damage or rolling high on these checks it's a lot of stuff that's up to the gm to interpret 
Um, right. But rogues, on the other hand, if you go to like the base raw, not like any of like the magic aspects of a rogue, they're very numbers based. They deal a lot of damage, but they're not great at strength checks, stuff like that. The balance aspect of it. So what right. the anime anime five e game breaks that people don't like is things like uh, you can upgrade a first level spell to a fourth level spell. I saw this as an example at level one which is part of like the balance of everything that they've done in the background for making a again a balance mm-hmm. game in quotations you don't do that in the base 5e game that is yeah, a thing that, that you can't do that sounds weird right but an anime if you're trying to fit the theme of it that's a thing that you yeah. would do often like you have that one guy who goes into his super saiyan mode at level one oh, for like okay, 30 okay. seconds right yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he's working to do that for the rest of the season because it helped him win that fight that one time and he's unlocked that ability permanently right that's a ah. very anime thing so uh-huh. it does break the quote-unquote balance of the rules as written raw numbers of D, but i think it fits the theme pretty well um but i also i don't give a fuck about balance <laughs> i'm not sitting down at somebody else's table at gen con to play a game <laughs> with people i don't know so we need to all agree on the same rules i play with some of my best yeah. friends in the world and when we sit down and someone goes oh is this balance and i go are you having fun they go yeah and i said i don't give a shit like <laughs> <laughs> you know like that's part of why i play a fantasy game instead of playing chess is i don't care about the balance like when i read lord of the rings i wasn't concerned that i mean i did eventually get concerned with it but when gandalf you know you know can teleport everybody away or in you know blast a beam of light at the balrog and i'm like i don't know if he'd be able to do that spell again like he seems like he's used all of his mana i don't give a shit it's a cool moment um but other people are concerned about that um yeah so you're in it for the storytelling right right and that's why i play these games Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the war game asset but both are valid and both are fair Mm -hmm. and it's a fair critique of this system the thing that i was more concerned about is the other aspects of the anime 5e what else is it trying to do is it trying to again uh appropriate like other people's culture what is the anime portion because I yeah. see a lot of stuff that does anime in a lot better light than, say, a martial arts game. That usually mm-hmm. leads to some offensive stereotypes, whereas an anime, it's usually fiction-based. It usually doesn't hit so many offensive things so quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. So let me look into that aspect. I want to see who created this game. It's coming from uh, Dice Kimmy Publishing. Have you heard of Dice Kimmy? No. Okay, well, that's something we need to look into. <laughs> um, but the other aspects of it, I, I think it does some cool anime things. You have big swords, big spells. I think it balances large fights. So, like, you know, you're jumping in the sky and you're getting into that Super Saiyan fight um, without landing pretty well. It does beams very well. So, like, projectile spells are a thing mostly in D&D where it's like, no, you throw this fireball versus a beam of light shoots continuously like a Kamehameha wave from Dragon Ball Z. I think it does that pretty cool. Um, I like the bestiary aspect. It has a lot of um, things that you could reskin from base D&D to fit a more anime theme, but this game has it inherently, so different types of dragons, the slime monsters, instead of just having to change a gelatinous cube, they are just the slimes from, like, uh, monster rancher or um, <laughs> dragon quest if 
if you know any of those mm. things. So it, it fits yeah. the anime build a lot closer. Um, some of the races, I think, also fit that fantasy anime uh, pretty well. Uh, and a lot of it is just, it's good artwork. It's interesting set building. Um, it has a lot of stuff built into it to build an isekai game. So if you think like um, Digimon or um, Inuyasha is probably a better example, where you're like you're a kid mm, from our world yeah. who gets transported to the fantasy world. They have rules for that for classes. Um, the closest thing I think that you could get into some of the racy things is the ages that they have of some of the characters and the samurai classes and ninja, which are completely unrealistic and not factual already in anime so i can't necessarily blame this game for misrepresentation when that is what they're pulling from anime um i don't know who created it so i can't tell if it's just a white dude uh who really likes anime but that's fair right again it's a little bit different than if you're trying to actually copy people's culture when it comes to martial arts yeah, this guy guy's name is Mark McKinnon, and I went on their website. And I'm now looking at a YouTube video presentation. Yeah, it's a white guy. Okay, but like that doesn't necessarily negate it. Um, but it does make me a little bit more apprehensive, right? Yeah, he also or the the company also has something with Sailor Moon. Cool. Sailor Moon Crystal Games, Ooh. tabletop games based on the Japanese anime series. See, that makes me excited because uh, that's not an easy license to get. Um, that's not one that they give out lightly. Like, there's not a shit ton of uh, Sailor Moon stuff that's just licensed willy-nilly. Um, in recent years, they've been a little bit more lax with the license. Like, you can get um, Sailor Moon license uh, makeup now. Um, I, I mm. buy that for my wife from Pop. So, like, that's cool. <laughs> Um, it, it was just a cool thing. She really liked Sailor Moon. That was a it was a Christmas present a few years ago. Um, so I knew about that. <laughs> My daughter really yeah. likes Sailor Moon. I am a little bit less like uh, I'm aware of like the more corporate aspects of it, but I wasn't a gigantic fan of the show growing up. I liked it, mm-hmm. but I'm not super you know in the in the trenches when it comes to it. But if they worked on that license, I could see um, if they had the the um the support of a big company like that than this being probably less problematic than what we're being apprehensive about. So that makes me excited, but I can't report on it. Never played it. Um, This is all just top level stuff, but I'm really going to check it out now. And I'm going to check out the Sailor Moon project from them because my daughter loves Sailor Moon and I run that in my own system that I created. And it's much harder to do than just open up a book that already has stats for Sailor Venus or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, listen it's a lot sounds, like... <laughs> sounds complicated i mean i I've, I've seen a bit of sailor moon and i'm just trying to imagine winging sailor moon in some other system and i'm like how 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 do you do this <laughs> I mean, how it's it's fun and it it's, brings me a lot closer to my kids the hard aspect is like when they go well actually dad um this bad guy has this ability and i go well fuck okay i don't know i don't know who that bad guy is i knew that one that's why that other bad guy was the villain of this story and they're like yeah and she doesn't talk like that she actually talks like this (laughs) because but i don't know i've never seen it so sometimes that gets me in trouble it happens a lot when we play the my little pony rpg um because i know a lot about my little pony from a top level but i haven't seen every episode Mm -hmm. of the series so a character will pop up from the show in the game and my daughter will correct me on their cadence for instance there was a there's a pony that i believe is like a zebra 
and uh, she speaks in rhyme purely. And yeah. I didn't know that, so I'm just, you know, <laughs> introducing them to this NPC, and she goes, uh, actually, Dad, uh, she only speaks in rhyme. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to sit down, and, like, now every time I, I this NPC does anything, and she, she runs, like, a little <laughs> shop out of the woods, so she's got a lot of, like fantasy items that they would need for missions and things so uh-huh. like i have to speak in rhyme all the time so my my rap game's gotten a lot better <laughs> um but i'm way nerdier so it's more like iambic pentameter than it is Eminem, uh-huh. you know so yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. it's not like cool rap it's just like <laughs> would you like to buy this trinket right <laughs> go ahead what rhymes a trinket go ahead uh, brink it, sink it. I See, would I like to sink it. You could buy this trinket, or you can buy this potion, but you'll have to drink it. You see, you're already better at this than I'm I like, am. it's I, not I, my I first rodeo. It. She popped up a year ago, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can tell that you've had practice. Right. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, the last thing in our games and supplement corner, um... I'm going to skip this. There's there's a story. D&D's The Yawning Portal um, in becomes a setting of a Diner Dash-esque board game. That's cool that it's just D&D stuff moving to the board game um, realm instead of the other way around, which I think is cool. Um, we don't have enough time to cover it, but go ahead and check that out. The last thing I want to talk about is the kind of official but unofficial dropping of details for D&D 5.5, un- unofficial title. That's probably not what it's going to be called, but the revamping of 5e um, yeah. to kind of introduce all of the new aspects they changed in things like Tasha's in the last two years and making it into a new um, probably Dungeon Master's Guide, definitely Player's Handbook, and uh, Monster Manual. So what do you think of them putting out a 5.5 instead of just like a 6th edition and kind of putting out a new version of these books now that we've had for close to a decade. Uh, it's hard to say because I didn't grow up with the, you know, how they did it before five. Okay. Oh, so for me, I've always had just five E. So it's hard to say where you would draw the line between doing a 5.5 and just kind of can you hear me or am yeah, i robotic I can hear you. yeah you were breaking out a little bit but... is going. <laughs> yeah so it's, it's hard to say where you draw the line between making a, a 5.5 or just downright going into a new 6e mm-hmm. like what are the benefits or detriments of that decision like is 5.5 is that just I, I actually don't even know. Like, how how does the process work for revamping the system well, if you just do a 5.5? Is that just... I will give you the details. So, um, uh, according to... Um, this is Henry St. Lager uh, from Dicebreaker. Once again, they're all over the place this podcast. Um... A player's handbook, a dungeon master's guide, and a monster manual will receive a refresh in 2024, the 10-year anniversary of 5e. Um, 
and that's going to be the 50th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons as a whole. Um, it's going to be fully backwards compatible with the rest of 5e. So as a whole, you're still going to be able to use all the stuff you had before. But usually what they've done in the past when they revamp, it's only happened a few times, but 3.5 is probably the best example of what we've gotten before, which is, hey, you like 3.0, we're keeping all that stuff, but we're going to revamp and add in all of the changes that we've done in all these random books and supplements over the years and put it back into the core book. Um, putting in some rules that probably will require some translation. So if you're using this rule from the original 5e book, you're going to have to pass it through the lens of this 5.5 book um, and mm. use the newer rules. Uh, but for the most part, it won't drastically change the game. It's still the same system, and that's the difference between going to a 5.5 instead of a 6th edition. They're yeah. not making a new game from the ground up. It's like, hey... Here are right. the rules that we liked from this. Here are the things that we've changed. A lot of the problematic lore that they've changed over the few years will be cool to, to address. Um, specifically, racial modifiers and abilities um, has gotten mm -hmm. huge revamps over the last few years since 5th edition originally came out. Which is, you know, things like, oh, orcs are mean. <laughs> you know, and also always get a plus mm -hmm. two to strength. Stuff like that. Um, yeah. Some weird problematic elements like that have changed and shifted over the years. So that's more of what you're going to see. Um, it's a new mm -hmm. jumping on point. So trying to buy this other book and then new players going, yeah, you can buy the player's handbook from 2014, but you'll also need to buy Tasha's and you'll need to buy this book and that book. And if you want to play that race, you're going to have to pick up this supplement or a, a quick uh, subscription to D and D beyond and plug their own thing there. Um, now yeah. you can, you can sell people all new players handbook so there's that in the capitalistic part portion of it um some players like me who are going to buy another copy of the player's handbook and then new players <laughs> have an easier jumping on point it's not a book that's 10 years old it's a new book it came out yeah. this year go buy that you have all of the new rules that you'll need to play at a table with people if you want to go to the player who plays raw at gen con that kind of thing um, mm -hmm. so that's more what it is. It's going to be more of a conglomeration of all of the random rules they've updated over the years and pieces of lore. And they're going to put it up front instead of going, Hey, this is sixth edition. Start new, fresh. This is what dice do now. And, um, there are four playable races because, you know, we got to sell you all those supplements. It's basically saying, Hey, all mm -hmm. this stuff is still canon and still works. You can still play it at the table, but here's a new place for all of the, the old rules. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, th I think that makes sense because it's not, like, starting from scratch. It's revamping what they already have right. because, I mean, a lot of people, I don't know, like, because D&D has gained a lot of popularity recently. And I feel like revamping the system now that it's, I, don't, I wouldn't maybe call it in its prime, but it's gaining, you know, this notoriety. I think prime is a might, good, good example. If you talk yeah, about fan base it, wise, right? Yeah. So if you were to do like, hey, let's scrap 5e or like, forget about 5e, here's 6e. I feel like that's just a bad business move. Oh yeah, definitely. Because... It'd be a terrible idea. <laughs> Because people are just getting into 5e, like, because there's so many new people and so many new players and and people are expanding and, and, you know, like, getting to know what 5e is to begin with. So going straight into 6e being like, you know what, let's let's scrap 5e, you know. It'd be an awful Instead, idea. Yeah, that would be an awful idea. So I feel like doing 5.5 is actually very business 
Smart. It's very good for the players who are still playing, you know, the same game and the same edition of the game, just with, you know, like revamped rules to, you know, take out the really problematic things, which, <laughs> you know, we and we stand on with Chardet and myself. Uh, Honestly, putting like out a sixth edition yeah. is such a bad idea that there was a portion of me who hates corporate policies where I'm like, they might do it. Like, it's just so <laughs> bad. It'd be the thing that pisses us off so much that I'm like, I can see them doing that. <laughs> That would be such a bad idea, though. Like, what? No. But think about, like, Why? how many corporations do you, do you see that? do a thing, and they're like, yeah, we, but we want to. So, <laughs> like, um, like there's a, there's a saying in, like, video games, the WND, which is weird Nintendo decisions. Because, like, this, like, here's a good idea. It'll make them tons of money, make all the fans happy. And they go, yeah, but what if we did this instead? <laughs> and so sometimes, like, when I see a corporation this large, I'm like, I can see them just doing the thing that pisses everybody off. I personally, I don't care if they make a sixth edition. I'd buy it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm I'm already beholden to them as my master when it comes to D&D. If I want people to play an RPG at my house, fifth edition has to be in talks it just has to so i would yeah. just pick up sixth edition so because it's a 5.5 i think it'll make a lot more casual gamers happy the people that jumped on with things like critical role and like our new fans of the hobby fuck don't yeah. make them buy a whole new thing and and you know ruin all of their love of this new game i think it's a perfect idea when it comes to making people that have been playing it for a long time happy who like fifth edition a lot and can update it mm -hmm. it makes new players happy new thing to buy and fixing some of the more problematic issues i think the people you're gonna see mad are those like i'm the hardcore D, &D gamer i i miss tsr i think those people who have an irrational hate for 5e um are going to be mad because it's not a sixth edition that they were hoping would um go back to the 3.5 days or 2e days um it, they're the, the same people that are like oh trump's still president he's gonna come back and fix everything <laughs> you know like that kind of thing I, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's not the same crowd necessarily i think there's a venn diagram that would disagree with me but uh <laughs> i think that there is a contingent of players that were hoping it's gonna make it hardcore because the fact that everybody likes this game is ruining it for me i think there was a lot of hope there and i think they're gonna be upset yeah. that it's a 5.5 i'm not i think it's a good idea for there's many also just the, there's also just the fact that there's as we've seen uh on this podcast there's all of these different uh games or ttrpgs that are using the fire <laughs> system so imagine going into six deciding to move on to 6e while people are still like making new things for 5e yeah it just it doesn't make sense for you to go to 6e when 5e is picking up not only new people not only new players but actually picking up new content yeah it's like, stealing the 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 thunder yeah, of the, most the other system. games right yeah it's just absorbing. Like it's, it's like Google, right? System. So why would you move on to a whole new system when you know you could just fix the old one? Right. Like, like how many? We've done three, four stories in the last couple of weeks of other games who had their own bespoke system. They own the rights to them. People played it, yeah. and they were like, uh, "It's just fifth edition now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, we'll just do five E. Exactly. Mm -hmm. like, even if you look at Pathfinder, right? Pathfinder specifically when. 
they're moving over to fourth edition and then eventually D and D next and fifth edition. Um, the pathfinder crew was people who loved 3.5 developing for 3.5 and wanted to support that crowd for 3.5 longer. They created their own game that was just D and D 3.5, but more. And when yeah. Pathfinder was like, we need to update our rules, they just were like, here's a better version of 5e. So, like, they were, or in, in, not in my opinion, necessarily. I like some of the things they did, but not everything. But for the most part, it's very similar rule set to D&D 5th Edition. So, like, even, they, even their direct competition was like, nah, I like I think we should copy fifth edition. And then the other competition that wasn't direct was like, yeah, if you can't beat them, join them. Our game is now just a fifth edition supplement, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, it, it makes sense to me. Um, I'll be playing it at my table. I usually play the newest D and D when it comes to my, my main fantasy setting stuff. Um, you'll probably end up playing it too. Cause I bet you Char will, <laughs> will be running D and D 5.5 when it comes out or whatever it's called. I doubt Probably. they'll call it D&D 5.5. I think the branding of 5e is so strong, they're just going to call it the new player's handbook or something. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out. Yeah, exactly. Weird Nintendo decisions. Let's see them name it something terrible. <laughs> um, all right. So that's it for Games and Supplements Corner. You can check out all that stuff and the, the links in the description. Let's just wrap this up then with our BS Corner. We were, for the listeners, we were going to cover Gen Con and... All of the crazy shit that went down there with COVID, with some of the sexual misconduct allegations. I don't know why I said misconduct like I was Matt Barry, but I did. Um, and the Ennies, uh, of course. But because there's so much content, we're just going to do that as its own episode next week. So I apologize if you're really hoping for that. Um, but there's just, there's just so much. There's so much news. It's crazy. So we're going to jump into our BS corner. Lissa... I told you that you had to tell the story. You ran another game for your parents. Please tell me about that. No, this was the first game for my parents. So I oh, run... you, the other one was for your grandparents. Yeah, so I've run one game originally a few years ago for my grandparents. A couple years ago for my grandparents. Uh, that was just the two of them. And then earlier, a few weeks ago, I ran a game for my both my grandparents and my aunt and my aunt and my uncle. Uh, it was kind of like a version 2.0 of the original game that I ran for my grandparents. You specifically only run for retirees is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, well, my my aunt and my, my uncle have not retired yet. <laughs> so that is inaccurate. I apologize. I'm sorry. You only run for the boomer generation. Yes, I run for boomers. <laughs> Um, but to yesterday, yesterday, yes, yesterday, no, two days ago, I, how do days work? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. The Gregorian so calendar is dumb as a whole, so. Exactly. So I ran a few days ago, let's just say, <laughs> uh, I ran a new game, uh, that, which was not based on, uh, elves being in a forest. Lame. Or, Yeah. Uh, and it was more of a James Bond in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of historically set. It was a, uh, the time of Napoleon. Uh, the time of uh, the Anglo-Russian War. And, uh, they were agents of the UK... Uh, who needed to gather some 
Russian intelligence, <laughs> which was in a abandoned base in uh, Norway. In specifically, actually, this is a a fun fact. Uh, I used some of my information that I gathered for the our our snow and ice queen episode for oh, Solomon Charles podcast because it was in the Svalbard Island, which was where <laughs> uh, Hans Christian Andersen originally said that the ice queen lived. Okay. So yeah, so Norwegian island in the middle of the Arctic Ocean, tiny island. Uh, they had to go there. They had to infiltrate an abandoned, well, find an abandoned uh, secret location where they were supposed to find secret documents in a safe. Uh, what happened was they were really good at actually like not a whole lot of things went wrong they were really good at rolling things <laughs> uh i i made pre i pre-made characters for them they were level five i made a rogue i made a a fighter and i made a uh ranger okay and they i let them choose some of their own equipment to bring along because why not i wanted them to kind of get into it yeah and yeah so they went off they found a little hut with a sled by it they decided to make the sled into like a glider sort of thing <laughs> with uh ripping apart one of one of the bed rolls and with some hempen rope they made it into a glider so they skid across like the ice with a sled with a parachute kind of or like a i don't know to catch the wind sort of thing there's just sail, something inherent when it comes to like rpg players when they're new that it's like how do i move faster just period like how do yeah. i get the thing that i can ride on like when you think of like uh one of the big pulls for getting people in the mmos like just as they're about to fall off like like a few levels in mm -hmm. that's when they get their first mount in most mmos yeah and that usually captures you know these players who've never played a game they're like oh my god now i get to ride on a dragon or a tiger or whatever it's the same thing in dd yeah. you give them something to ride on people are like listen i don't know about all this dice and elf bullshit but if i got this thing that i can glide on and go super fast i'm in yeah, I, I basically, I, I, I was mostly winging it because I spent most of my time making the character sheets and mm -hmm. then, like, coming up with the story and the setting of the 1800s and James Bond and Svalbard, the island. And then when it came to the plot, I was like, well, uh, you found a lodging. Uh, there was nothing in it. There were some old apples. My dad found some brandy because, you know, it's my dad. <laughs> um, so, and... And then my sister's like, well, what else do I see? Because, you know, she was trying to find something because she was a rogue. And I was like, uh, you see a sled behind the house. Yes, there's definitely a sled. And she was like, oh, what kind of a sled? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's such what? a new player thing, too, is, like, they cannot accept that there's not a thing. They spent time here. They they got the lock, uh, you know, undone. They, they opened up the cabinet. There better be something in that cabinet um or is it like a more experienced rpg player is like okay clearly they're not chopping any hints there's nothing in that building we're gonna keep going yeah but new players are like no no no. there's something here you know and uh, it it works because like i don't want them to be disappointed i don't want them to sit there for 25 minutes um i don't want my game to be dumb i want them to play again so like they eventually turn it right like they incept it into me i'm like yep you're right there's a sled behind there and it goes fast you ready <laughs> like fuck you win 
Yeah, and they were like, well, is it is it one that's pulled by horses, or is it one that's like, you know, you push? And I'm like, which one do you want? <laughs> uh, you have the power here. I know, I didn't realize that at the time, but I was just like, I don't know who you want from me. So, like, just pick one, I'll go with it. So anyway, yeah, uh, they took the sled, they went skidding along super fast, uh... And they were kind of looking at the map because I showed them a map on my computer of the island. And they were like, oh, we should go there. And my dad, because he was a ranger, I gave him a beast. Uh, <laughs> and he had a he had a falcon. And it was like their cr the crutch move was to send the falcon up real high and see where anything interesting was. And then they would go to that location. It was just like that was the entire game. Send the falcon. Does the falcon see anything? No. OK, we go that way. Does the falcon see anything now? <laughs> okay, no, let's go. Does the Falcon see anything now? Oh, there's something there. Okay, let's go there. <laughs> like, okay. But did they have a blast? Are they excited to play again? I mean, they said that it, they, they could see... I don't know if I... They had fun mm -hmm. by themselves. I don't know if that was because of me or because they were making fun of themselves. Listen, making your own fun playing. is rule number one for D&D. Because yeah. everyone's going to get something different out of it. But I, I always run one of two games when it comes to new players. I either do a five-room dungeon, which it's not actually a dungeon. Like, it, you know, it goes, but it follows the five-room concept. You know, you have the yeah. intro, and then you have a puzzle room, and then you have an encounter, mm -hmm. and there's a boss, etc. You know, I, yeah. I run those. Or I don't play in anything. I just pick a setting that I know very well. doesn't matter if it's based on an IP or something. But something I know, if they say I go here on the map, I know exactly exactly what's there so yeah. then they can just explore and play it like they're playing an open world rpg so depending on which type yeah. of players i recruit i run one of those two games and it sounds like like they needed the uh the ladder and it worked just well you're just like here go explore this fucking island <laughs> have a good time yeah so i i sort of had a plot uh or a plan for what they would do and then when i was in the moment i was just like I, I wasn't even looking at my screen because I didn't have a DM screen. I was just sitting next to my dad's. My dad was looking over my shoulder at my notes and stuff. And I was just like, well, I don't really want to give away anything. So then I didn't look at my notes at all. So then I was just <laughs> winging it the whole entire time. And I feel like they could tell. Um, also, I haven't been speaking Finnish for the longest time. And then when I was trying to explain, you know, like descriptive words and of the objects that were in a room... I was just or describing how they were doing something that they wanted to do, and then they they all looked at me and they were like, "That's that like correcting my language use." And I was like, <laughs> I, I was getting frustrated, not being able to like you know fluently go along with the story, which I should have you know pre-planned because I knew that the descriptive words and the that would be an issue because it's always an issue with me. But do you mostly speak yeah. English these days? Now that you live in in England yeah, and talk so to Americans all the time. Apparently now I mostly just speak English, and I don't know. Maybe my thoughts have turned into English as well. Um, if you want to speak to me in Finnish, being bilingual, right? If you want to speak to me in Finnish, that's fine. I won't understand, but I'll listen. Okay, okay. We can do a whole episode. Do a whole episode uh, using you finish. <laughs> we just speak finish. The problem is, I, was, I 
similar to what you're discovering now as a GM now, this is your second game. You're pro now. You improv an entire session and didn't use your notes. That's a GM right there. You got this. You know what you're doing. So like, I, but I've been doing that for a decade. So that's what I do all the time. I'm, yeah. It's all bullshit. Uh, I yeah. haven't planned a single thing of this. So if you start talking to me and finish, I'm just going to respond. <laughs> like I know exactly what you're saying. Like I'm just gonna speak back, like like yep, I totally understood. Um, yeah. So you might get frustrated with me, but I'll have a good time. Mm -hmm. Again, make your own fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the end, they they sh my mom shot a wolf uh, with a, a an arrow, which she because I I was I think it was mostly because I was said there's howling and they were like, is it the wind or is it wolves? And I'm like, it's both. <laughs> <laughs> Before, like, when I would have new players, the thing was, because people know Dungeons & Dragons is in the name, I would make sure there's some sort of dungeon, I'd make sure there's some sort of dragon. Um, yeah. And so, like, they got the real feel of it. But after Game of Thrones mm. became a thing, when new players come to me, that's the fantasy that they want. They don't want Lord of the Rings, they want Game of Thrones. And obviously, you can't do political machinations very well with new players who don't know fantasy that well or D&D that well or you know only have four hours to play right you can do some but yeah. you can't do a full intrigue season so what i do instead was i introduce dire wolves and i introduce zombies and that mm. usually makes them come back for a second session yeah i i just had animals i had animals and then i thought it would be problematic to have people because shooting people of a a, a different country would be problematic so that, I, that can cause some issues right especially when you're using yeah. like our real world as your setting right like yeah, yeah. No, i see some britons over there what do you do i shoot them like oh okay well that's an international yeah. incident um uh -huh, uh -huh. i mean i know it's james bond and i know i know the setting you know or the plot of james bond is usually he kills a, a lot a of people and he is indiscriminate he at what nation they are yeah. from but yeah but because of the setting i was like okay yeah no it's an abandoned little you know hut and then they found some papers <laughs> and then they they and then they made their way back they saw a whale they had to skirt around like um some ice breakage and stuff but they rolled so well that like nothing really happened. Yeah, and then they got you got to introduce like that stuff for them. Like just say they failed, right? Like they don't know. Yeah. I mean, they rolled a nat twenty, so I couldn't really. I don't really <laughs> explain the concept of a nat twenty, and they rolled a nat twenty, and I'm like, that's the one concept okay. you can't lie about. They know, like if they roll a, a d twenty and it lands on a twenty, a good thing happens, right? Like you can't really yeah. fudge that one uh but that then, sounds awesome i'm proud of you <laughs> second game yeah, down uh, the, the only feedback i got was they were like well we didn't get to shoot anything and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is james bond you should shoot things got it got it N note for next time let us use our golden gun um also get next time give them a really bad martini because that's the other thing that james bond does is he drinks martinis. Oh, yeah. rum. i should have had martinis just at the lodge be like here you go yeah no, no explanation it's an abandoned uh lodge but there's three martinis waiting for you just shaken and ready to go they tasted like <laughs> shit but like, they not yeah got, why why like that's just not what you do but uh anyways um that's awesome my my only critique is that I didn't get to be there, so let's fix that next time. I just want to watch. I don't want to play. I just want to observe and make you uncomfortable. Um, okay. So. Sure. <laughs> and cringe every time, like, they do something wrong. Like, no, 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 don't do that. No, that's not what that ability does. Um, 
Anyways, my one more bullshit thing is I have done nothing recently. You know what? I've started Better Call Saul with my wife. Uh, we had tried okay. a couple different times. She finally finished Breaking Bad, and the final episode of Better Call Saul aired yesterday, and I really wanted to watch yeah, it. I and and I, I only watch stuff with, with her, and she's never seen a single episode of it, so... Got her to watch the first episode of Better Call Saul. She liked it. That's good. Yeah, this is not an interesting story there. She's like, this is good. And I go, I fucking know. Like, it's, it's, it's one of the best shows of all time, damn it. Did you think it was going to be boring or something? Uh, and uh, I finally started to show my kids the Marvel movies. They were a little bit young. They were uninterested in a lot of superhero stuff. But they've been watching a lot of superhero cartoons and finally starting to read some comic books. So my daughter was a little less interested. She liked the Avengers, but wasn't into any of the solo things. But my son saw the Avengers and was like, I love Hulk. I love Iron Man. Can I watch more of these? So we're going to watch Iron Man tonight. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Uh, he really likes Spider-Man as well. So I've been trying to make him watch like the 90s animated series and a few other ones to, you know, yeah. slowly incept all of the things that I love. It worked for Digimon. They love Digimon. Mm. It's one of their favorite things. It worked for Power Rangers for my son. My daughter wasn't interested, but she's got My Little Pony, which is still really cool. But the next mm. step would be getting them interested in superheroes on a higher level so we can go to the comic book store every Wednesday. Um <laughs> as <laughs> my dream it's like the last holdout like i've achieved so many of my dreams like for a long time i just wanted a family and like i love my wife and my kids so much it's like perfect the next thing is like i wanted to be a published author i finally did that the last thing is having people to go with me every wednesday to the comic book store i used to have that and my mm -hmm. buddy and i started having kids at the same time so we couldn't afford it i'm finally at a stage in my life where i can afford to buy comic books again on a regular basis and i want to take my kids so we can all go to the counter together and go please sir put this in the bag um so, so close so close right there the next step after that would be getting them to play the digimon trading card game with me um but they're uh -huh, still they'll, uh -huh. they're a few years out they can't read well enough to to understand those games yeah. they could probably play around with me but they'd lose and like i you know i gotta have the competition yeah <laughs> but anyways that's my life i'm just gonna go back into my hidey hole and write more comics uh Alyssa, where can the people on the internet find you they can find me every month on the first of the month on the Slumly Trolls podcast. Woo! You also help run the Cave Trolls uh, Twitter. Uh, what is the Cave Trolls Twitter now? It is Cave Trolls Pod. Cave Trolls Pod. Uh, um, mm -hmm. And the Slumly Trolls Twitter is? At Slumly Trolls. Perfect you don't have to plug your twitter because <laughs> when it comes like uh, if we start spreading out all that twitter love eventually they're gonna go you guys don't tweet that much <laughs> I know. um you can find me at resident stevel on twitter i also do stuff on all the other ones for the company so at can't be killed creations or can't be killed pod um if you want to email us you can email us at can't be killed creations at gmail.com Review us over on iTunes, do all of that stuff or whatever app that you use. If you want to find more of our content, you can find us at campykillcreations.com. If you want to support us over on Patreon, you get early episodes, bonus content, um, different tiers. We have our lore rewrites that, that Char and I and Lissa all work on to make some of the more problematic yeah. aspects of D&D less problematic. What were you going to say, Lissa? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's over on patreon.com slash can't be killed creations. There's lots of other cool stuff over there as well. Um, that's it. Check out our Gen Con coverage next week. Uh, we've been the Cave Trolls and we're out. And that's it. Let's say you're free. Yeah. Now comes that special time of the podcast where we thank our Patreon producers. This month we have the Trellbot themselves, the Highlander, Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell, for everything you do, especially monetarily. You keep the lights on, the mic's going. I just want to say thank you again from the whole network. You are our Patreon producer and the Highlander. There can be only one, Chantrell. Next up for the Patreon producers, we have Jeremy Raymond. Jeremy is a newcomer, and I want to say thank you, Jeremy. It's okay that you're late to the party. It's okay that you're new. You are welcome here, especially because you wrote us a check. So, you know, you know, have at it. You're welcome to our snacks. You're welcome to the fridge. I think I saw a dog running around in the background. You know, you can go pet the dog, take it with you, whatever you want. Because, again, you paid to be here. You are a producer of the show. You keep the lights on. You keep the mics rolling. Um, you probably paid for something else that's around here that I'm unsure of. So I'm just going to say thank you again for the 10,000th time. Thank you, Jeremy Raymond.